0: Welcome to the Big Golf Show. I'm your host, Nick Andreco, along with Eric Arbe. Eric, huge show today. We have a legend with us.
1: Mm-hmm. We sure do.
0: Well, I'm going to try to keep this intro uh, under 30 minutes because I know we have a short show. So I want to list, go through his accomplishments here. And some of these awards are pretty mind-blowing. So let's just hit a few highlights, and then we'll let him kind of get into it a little bit more. But uh, he is in the National PGA Golf Hall of Fame. Uh, he is the 1985 and 1997 Merchandiser of the Year. He's the 1987 Golf Professional of the Year. Uh, he's competed in, a, I think, three U.S. Opens and uh, about 10 PGA Championships. And he's a mentor to some of the biggest names in the golf industry. And most people refer to him as the ultimate golf professional. Uh, we have Mr. Bob Ford uh, with us today. Bob, how you doing?
2: Good, guys. Good. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you for joining us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think we need a round of applause after that intro. <laughs>
1: um, so, Bob, for for people listening that maybe not too familiar, um, haven't heard you before or anything like that, um, would you mind giving us just a little bit of a, a bio about yourself, kind of where you are uh, in your career, and uh, maybe a brief intro of how you got there? Well, I
2: uh, I started at Oakmont as an assistant in 1975 after I got out of college at the University of Tampa. I worked for Lou Warsham who was a U.S. Open champion and a multi-winner on the tour and leading money winner. He was quite a legend in in, uh, his time. Uh, While he was at Oakmont, he did all those things. And got to work for him for five years. He retired in uh, the fall of 79, and I took over uh, November 1 of 79, and I've been at Oakmont ever since. So I've been here at Oakmont for 40 years. Um, I actually worked for him in the 73 Open, so during the 16 Open that we're going to host here in a couple of years. it will be my fifth, fifth of nine Opens here at Oakmont. And uh, back in the fall of 99, I got a call from the people at Seminole about uh, whether they thought I could do that job as well in the wintertime and would Oakmont let me. And uh, I went to the powers to be here at Oakmont, and they were kind enough to give me that time off. So I've been uh, doing co-duties, got a couple of nice keys in my pocket to open a couple of nice doors. I've been the head professional at Seminole in the wintertime for 14 years. And, uh, you know, it's been been an incredible lucky streak for me and, um, you know, two really, really neat places with a lot of neat people.
0: Well, yeah, and, Bob, you know, you obviously – I said it kind of in our intro that um, people refer to you kind of as the ultimate golf professional because you are so – you know, well-rounded in terms of talent in our industry with merchandising and playing and, and your mentorship, and obviously the list continues to go on and on. But, uh, you know, you've mentored a lot of some of the most highly respected uh, head professionals in this generation, and uh, I guess for the kids kind of coming out of college now or, you know, in the PGM program, what kind of advice do you pass on to to your the guys that are now head pros and the guys that are coming out of college now? What are some things that you might say to them that they want to follow in and, you know, they want to be the next Bob Ford?
2: Well, guys, you know I, I actually go to uh, a lot of the schools and do some, you know, consulting with them. And uh, oddly enough, I have two sons, Jay and Chandler, that are freshmen at uh, freshman and a junior at Florida State University in the PGM program. And so I tell everybody the same thing. You know, I, you know, I went, I really came to Oakmont when I was 21 years old to try to, you know, try to play number one and if I wasn't successful as a player then I felt sure that I would run into somebody you know that would hire me in any business that you know that would use golf and whether it was the golf business or the steel business or the insurance business whatever it was that you know that time spent as an assistant or an intern at at, uh, some of the high end private clubs would you know be a great entree into uh, my future so that's what I tell all the kids you know uh, keep your game sharp do everything you can to get to be a better player and just be nice to everybody and, uh, respectful. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a neat business with a lot of neat, neat people. You know, you get to be at these big fancy clubs and you just meet some, some of the most phenomenal people and they love to help people that are in the game of golf. And, uh, that's, that's really what I tell the interns and whether they end up, you know, if they become a great player or a great teacher or, you know, recognizable uh, to be a head golf professional. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe one out of fifty end up doing it. Maybe, but so the odds aren't very good. But uh, you know, it's it's a great way to spend your summers and and go through college.
0: You know, I've um, I've kind of had this question for a couple of years now. You're probably the perfect person to ask this. Uh, is uh, do you think that being a good player? In 2014, as a as a golf professional, is as important as it was, you know, back in the 70s when you were getting started. In, ter- in terms of getting, you know, r- getting up the ranks and being, you know, the t- director of golf and general manager, you think it's just as important.
2: I, I I will I will promise you, it is the number one thing that gets guys to the top. The uh-huh. number one thing, by a lot. Now, I say that because all these kids are great looking kids. They're super nice kids. They're very talented. They, they all do, you know, all of the technical things beautifully. The, the schooling and the internships just get them so prepared that it's really hard to tell them apart. And if you can get five guys that are perfect at everything and one guy can really play, he is going to get the job nine out of ten times. People want to be around good players. I, I don't care what, they, what when it's 2014 or 1970, people want to be around good golfers.
0: Oh, I definitely don't, definitely don't, can't uh, can't argue with you on that, that definitely people are definitely attracted to playing, you know, with and being around, you know, the better players in the game. I just didn't, uh, I just wanted to wonder if you thought the, you know, is the game, is the professional game maybe producing, at least the PGA level, producing um, as good of players out of college as they did maybe back when? Um, you know, back when you started.
2: Yeah, but, well, you're right. You're right because there's, you know, there's so many avenues to go play. I, I think I couldn't agree with you more. I think the ability of the players has declined. You know, back then we didn't have so, you know, Bonnie Nielsen and Daryl Kessner and I, I. mean, we were all, you know, club professionals. And and today, you know, we would probably be playing if it were today. But uh, you know, there, there's no substitute for being a good player
0: well eric speaking about speaking of uh being good players uh bob you qualified at the 83 u.s open that's one of your opens there and i know that had a those specialty because it was at oakmont um can you talk a little bit about that experience and you know how it felt to play in front of the home crowd and you know obviously making the cut and finishing in the you know top 30 well you
2: know i guess that was 27 or 8 years old at the time and and I knew that I knew when that was over that that would be the the biggest thing that I would ever do as a golfer as a player that might be kind of sad but you know it was an incredible experience I just knew that that would never uh, I would never top you know what had happened there to qualify at your home home golf course and make the cut and play the weekend was just extraordinary and uh you know, back then, Sugar, I, I owned the golf shop and I owned the concession for the merchandise for the uh, all the souvenirs for the U.S. Open. So, you know, it was very uh, unusual because obviously that, that doesn't happen anymore. But, uh, you know, so that was a big, you know, just, just hosting it and owning the merchandise was a big deal. And then getting to the play and making the cut. I mean, it was just a, a you know, story for life
1: yeah bob so in in our research as well we also um found a little story if you wouldn't mind elaborating um uh the 1999 palmer cup matches and your refusal to break arnold palmer's uh course record (laughs) could you uh chat chat about that
2: yeah you know it's a true story actually you know arnold uh He agreed to host the matches for us at uh, La Trobe Country Club, which he owns. And uh, lo and behold, he agreed to play in the matches with us. So, uh, you know, he must have played for 10 or 15 years on the Tri-State PGA team. And what a thrill it was for all of us to get an opportunity to play with him as a partner, as you can imagine. And uh, this particular day, uh, I played behind him. He was right in front of me and uh, I, I birdied either one or two, and then three is a, a converted bar five, and I, I you know, sunk it. Just a shot in the hole, stupidly, but it was a, you know, an albatross, and all of a sudden I was four under, and uh, I don't know, they had to turn six or seven under. They just kept going in, and, you know, we were playing some pals of mine, uh, Nathan Smith and Sean Knapp, who are great uh, local amateurs here in Pittsburgh, and we've got a... Fun rivalry over the years, and uh, it was just so much fun beating those guys. And we got to 14, which was a par five, and I buried it to maybe go nine under. And uh, and we walked off the golf course. And, you know, Sean was like, Boy, oh, you got to finish. You know, 15's a par five, and, you know, they got three, four more birdie holes. You know, you're going to break Arnold's record. I said, The king's right in front of us. You don't come to the king's house and break the court's record. That's the last thing I want to do. So we walked in and, and uh,
0: you know, <laughs> it was a story. That's so. a, that's a, that's actually, I don't know if that's, a, that's probably a better story than breaking the course record. <laughs> yeah,
2: maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I probably, yeah, I probably got more, uh, more <laughs> ink out of that than I should
0: have. The, well, I mean, obviously you've played with, as you mentioned, Arnie, and I know that, I think in, in 83, I, we read some stuff. You, you played with Jack and, and Lee. I mean, you played with pretty much everybody there is to play with, and I know that you, um, you showed Tiger and Phil around Oakmont prior to the, the last U.S. Open there. Um, what's it kind of like playing with those guys compared to Jack and Arnie? And, um, you know, is it, I'm sure that's something you'll never forget. No, you know, I mean, anytime you get to
2: play with uh, a legend in the game, it's, uh, you know, it's a Walter Mini day for you. And, uh, you know, Arnold back to the 78 PGA uh, that we hosted here at Oakmont, you know, he called Lou Worsham and, I'm coming down to play a practice run. You got any kids there that want to play with me? And I uh, met Upper with my fellow assistant at the time, and we both uh, we agreed to play nine holes with him. And, you know, it was the thrill of a lifetime to play with the king. And he's just been so generous with his time, uh, particularly with me, I'm, you know, because of the Oakmont connection, That he's just been incredible. And Jack Jack did the same thing in '83. He called. He said, I'm coming in the weekend before the open, Dobbin. Would you like to play? And, God, are you kidding me? I you know, dropped everything. We were in the midst of trying to get prepared for the, you know, merchandise pavilion and all those kind of things. I said, Boys, I'm gonna play with Mr. Nicholas. And uh, you know, that was a thrill. And uh then Tiger and Phil, you know, I mean I you know, obviously I competed back in eighty three with those guys and, and you know, obviously I'm not gonna compete with Tiger and Phil in around those seven. But it was interesting watching them play and just being in there, in their foursome and being that close to uh, those two superstars who, you know, we all idolize uh, greatly and fun to, fun to watch
1: those guys play. Bob, you know, you, you've been around such, seems like good players your entire career. Um, have you, was a professional career, you know, playing full-time ever, ever crossed your mind? Was ever an option?
2: Well, absolutely it was. I mean, that's why I came here. You know, I, 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 uh, my last year in college, I shot in the Tampa Amateur. I shot 65-65 and Gary Koch and I were in a playoff and he beat me in a playoff. And uh, I went down to Lou Warsham uh, in Fort Lauderdale and I you know, kind of told him what I had done. I said, what do you think I should do? I was hoping that he would say, well, you should go play the tour. And uh, he said, why don't you come to Pittsburgh this summer and I'll find out if you can play or not. And I was like, well, what will I do in Pittsburgh? He said, well, you'll be <laughs> my assistant and I was just blown away. I mean, that, that was the furthest thing from my mind as to why I went to see him. But, you know, it was the smartest thing I ever did. And uh, But, no, I, I went to uh, four tour schools in that time as an assistant here and played every winter uh, on the mini tours that were in Florida. And, no, I wanted to play. I mean, that was my goal. And then all of a sudden, you know, he decides to retire at 62. Um, you know, I thought he had a few more years to go, and, and he didn't. And, you know, the members came to me and said, you know, we think you ought to take a shot at this. And I said, well, I'd be idiot not to. And So that kind of, you know, when I when I got the job, actually, there were two seasons that I still was uh, keen to play. And I, I went out and played the tour because uh, back then, if you finish in the top 25 of the National Club Pro, you got a card for a year, which I took advantage of. And, uh, you know, that was back when you did the Monday qualifying. And I went out there for maybe eight or ten weeks, and uh, every time that I've had an opportunity to go out and try, I've proven to myself that I'm just really lucky that I had a paying job every week. It was, it was hard, and I you know, obviously wasn't good enough. So, um, you know, I was just happy to have a job.
0: Well, I think, <clears throat> I think we read, Eric, that, um, and Bob, correct us if we're wrong here, I think 2016, is that, is that your farewell tour? With the. Uh, well, with here the... at Oakmont. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to retire uh, at the end of 16, and uh, they've named Devin Gee, my assistant here, to take my place, which is uh, really neat neat stuff. We're all tickled about that. And uh, so, yeah, i got a couple more summers left. I'm going to stay on at Seminole for a few more after that. I'll be 62 in uh, 2016. So, hope to go a few more years at Seminole.
0: So, that's. So, what do you do in the summertime then? Have you thought about that like <laughs> play, play golf <laughs> uh
2: yeah i mean i'm going kind to of keep a residence here in uh, in oakmont i love we love oakmont and uh we love the club and uh, hopefully they'll they'll have me here as a, uh, some type of a, a member and uh i'll play come up here and play and and travel We like to travel a little bit in the summers now that we have that opportunity and um
1: so we'll travel out of here and then play here at Oakmont. That sounds fun. I want that kind of job. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, um I actually I worked for uh, Steve Archer for a little while and um down at down at Frederica and uh he had kind of told me a little bit about AMF. Um can you can you for people that may don't maybe don't know what AMF was or kind of what it's morphed into now, I guess. Um, how you guys started that and what it was? Well,
2: you know, I uh, joke with all the guys that work for me, you know, let's find something else we can do and we'll do it. You know, let's start a business and, uh, you know, I got a, a phenomenal amount of calls from clubs around the country looking for, you know, their next professional and that I have an assistant ready and whatnot. And, you know, we always did that persona, non grata. And, uh, you know, Steve kind of put it in my head, you know, you should really turn that into a business and we ought to do a search firm and and uh, let's do it. And he, and he actually went out and got a started a little company, you know, got us registered. And, uh, you know, a couple of months into that, we ran into uh, Bob Mulcahy, who had um, run his own sports management firm, and we kind of put our heads together over the wintertime and talked about, you know, how our synergies could work together and Decided to uh, start AMF for Archer Mulcahy and Ford. That's our initials, so that's where the name came from. And our mission was to help, uh, you know, golf professionals, uh, mostly at the at the high end of their careers. You know, high end private resort, public, whatever, whatever it was. Guys that really wanted to get better, wanted to learn from each other, wanted to network. Um, we, We had a bunch of educational things that we all went to, and. You know, just kind of bonded together as a fraternity, really, because you know the PGA just isn't able to do something like that for, you know, the the, the high end guys. And, uh, You know, it was a great mission. We did a few searches, so we turned that into a business, and uh, we did some nice things for some nice clubs, and uh, you know, we did a lot of good things for uh, for a lot of a lot of golf professionals. And we have about 700 golf professionals signed up to be part of AMF, which is a lot, and uh, we had a good run, and, uh, you know, sadly it ended.
1: Wow. Did did that all pretty much spread through through word of mouth, kind of through the industry?
2: AMF, yeah, it did. It did. You know, it's funny. It's uh, six degrees of separation. It didn't take long. I mean, they were coming out of the woodwork to, uh, you know, be part of a group like that that, uh, you know, the mission was for everybody to, you know, raise the bar and take everybody to the next level and uh, you know, we didn't do it because it would raise our compensation, but you know, the better you are at what you do, the more money you make. And, uh, but we, you know, we did it to be fraternal and, uh, learning and, and just to have a network of, you know, the words I always use is who are you going to call? And now you're going to call AMF, you know, who are you going to call if you have a problem? And, uh, there's really nobody, you know, I mean, PJ doesn't really provide that service to, uh,
0: to it. so that that was that was kind of the basis for it bob i don't want to get you in trouble saying anything so i don't want to <laughs> don't feel pressured to even comment but is there a reason do you think the pga doesn't didn't fill that void is that was that cause i know i remember you know back when we were in school and this was really popular when we were back in college um you know a lot of people used to think of this as wasn't the anti-pga but it was like filling a void that the pga wasn't uh, you know, services that they weren't providing. Um, obviously, that wasn't the initial goal. It doesn't sound to attack the PGA at all, but you were filling those holes. That, like as you said, that you know, trying to get those those higher end jobs. Uh, is that something that that the PGA has maybe tried to address now since the, you know, with with AMF, uh, you know, being dissolved?
2: Well, you know, they have. They, you know, we were a little bit of a thorn in their side. Uh, I thought many times to Joe Sturanka, our CEO, and. You know, tried to figure out how we could do this together, and they're just—they're uh, just not cut out to be like that. You know, the PGA, the association itself, as you know, is made up of 28,000 men and women of all sorts of categories, and for them to devote energy, time, and money to just the cream of the crop would really um, expose them to quite a bit of criticism from the rest of the members. So. You know, they have tried. They've done a lot of our templates for, uh, you know, for some of the private clubs to, uh, you know, do some reporting in their rounds and some of the neat things that we were doing. And uh, they started a platinum service for clubs to hire them to do searches. And, uh, but I, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's just not what they do. And, and when you try to do things that that you don't do, you usually don't do them very well. So, you know, there's still a great void out there. There's still a great window. And I hope somebody – actually, the the AMF turned into GBN, and uh, a golf professional from the Governor's Club in North Carolina just bought GBN. So, you know, I hope he resurrects it and uh, can get it back running again.
0: Is is that – you're also involved with, like, the Larkin Group. That's completely different than what – what what uh, what you were trying to do with amf right that's more of a management consulting firm it, is
2: well it is uh there's a member down at seminole named owen larkin and he started the larkin group and uh he asked a bunch of us in the industry if we would be you know spokesman for him and on his board or whatever and uh so frankly, I haven't been too involved with that with the, with the two jobs, and I told them that. I said, well, "You know, you know I got two full-time jobs, and I, I don't, I don't really have a lot of time to spend on this." So, so I, I don't know uh, really what they're doing. They were involved in getting Gil Han the opportunity down in Brazil. I don't know if he's happy or sad about that. It's been a pretty rough ride for him. But uh, you know, but beyond that, I, I don't really know what their function is.
1: Okay, well. Okay, here. Yeah, no, no. Bob is going to uh, switch a little bit to um kind of. I guess if you're still teaching right now, do you do you do you give a lot of lessons right now still?
2: Well, you know, I do, I do. I mean, I I love to teach. I teach a lot more at Seminole than I do at Oakmont because we have such a, an incredible teaching staff here and the young guys, and they're here year round, and uh you know, so they 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 get most of the lessons here, but I I love to teach. I love to go down and watch these kids teach and, you know, throw my two cents in and piss them off every once in a while. (laughs) But uh, we have a good time, and and I I love the teaching part of it.
1: Nice. Are are you into any kind of uh, uh, techie training aids right now, TrackMan or V1 or anything along those lines?
2: Well, funny you should ask. You know, uh, I'm really cheap by nature, frugal, and, uh, but I, I actually broke down and bought a trackman at Seminole, which has been, you know, it's been to, to us in teaching what video was 30 years ago. And sure. I'm fascinated by it. We, uh, and I, I talked Oakmont into buying one. So, uh, now we have two on property, mine and theirs. And, but the guys here at Oakmont, uh, you know, trackman has been like, uh, The the buzz around town, and everybody can't wait to get on it, see the numbers, and and talk about it. We we have really helped some people because of TrackMan that we that we didn't help before, and it's been fascinating and really a a neat learning experience.
0: Nice. The um, about kind of your day to day activities, I'm sure they vary a little bit from Seminole to Oakmont. But can you talk a little bit about uh, you know a lot of our listeners are P.J. golf professionals, some some younger. I mean. a really big mix of younger guys and older guys that are just looking for little tips here and there on, on what they can do better. And I'm just kind of wondering what your day to day kind of activities are like, you know, is there, is are you doing anything maybe different than you think that maybe your average, um, you know, your average call professional might be doing that might help them improve their business.
2: Well, I I don't know what we do different. I, I don't think that the ABCs, uh, are incredibly different today than they were 40 years ago. Um, you know, it's all about making people's experience the day that they come to the club an outstanding experience, and welcoming them and making them feel welcome, and and you know, a genuine being a genuine hospitality expert, and uh, so I mean that's that's really what we strive to do every day is try to make make uh, everybody's day brighter. Uh, at both clubs, you know, at Seminole, I, I, it's, it's quite different than Oakmont. It's a quite different place, as you guys know. And, uh, you know, I generally teach in the morning from nine to twelve, and and I generally play. I probably play four or five times a week with the members there, because that's what they want. And you know, it's right up my alley. So that not getting any argument for me. But frankly, if I wasn't playing with the members, there wouldn't be anything else to do. So, um, but at Oakmont, it's a much different engine. Now, also, as you guys know, it's kind of 24/7 kind of a place, and uh, you know there's housing and there's three meals a day. It's kind of open 24/7, and uh, it's just a busy place with a lot of rounds. Uh, you know we do about 22,000 rounds here at Oakmont. You know I just kind of walk around from department to department and make sure the staff's feeling good about themselves because if they're not, then they're certainly not going to make the members feel very good. And uh, just kind of walk around trying to touch everybody and make sure everybody's having a good day.
0: I mean, are you very hands-on when it comes to? Because obviously, your experience with merchandising and you know just overall management of two facilities, um, are you, are you do. You, would you consider yourself maybe a micromanager, or do you try to let let them fail a little bit and then help them say, "Hey, you could have done this a little bit better by doing it this way"? Or kind of what's what's your kind of management style? Well,
2: you guys know Archer would have told you it's to all smoke and near it with three <laughs> <laughs> but But uh, no, my you know it. When I, uh, I'll tell you when it broke for me, Uh, the 80s, you know, all of the 80s, I was was hands-on and probably micromanaged everybody to death. But we ended up uh, hosting two opens, like in 92 and 94 uh, at Oakmont. And at that time, I hired a director of instruction uh, because I knew I couldn't keep doing what I was doing. I was teaching six or seven hours a day, which was crazy. And uh, kind of from that point on, uh, I became you know, a really good delegator and, uh, you know, told these guys, look, you know, the best experience you can get is is doing all these things. And I, I, I'm not having you do them because so I don't want to do them. I just think that it's a great experience for you. I can watch you. I can monitor you. I can pick you up on your trip. And uh, I've done them all. I don't need to keep doing them. And uh, so, you know, virtually guys on the shop for me, guys run the tournaments for me guys are teaching for me i mean I, you know i mean i i feel like the coach i'm not going to call it a little league coach maybe a major league baseball coach but uh you know i coach everybody's position and and uh, we talk a lot about what their functions are and what their to-do list is and uh just walk them through it and just stay on top of them and it's you know it's really been pretty easy but it's been a great learning experience for them um you know to have those kind of uh Responsibilities and and to be able to pass and fail and you know some of them passed colors, some of them failed miserably and uh, you know it just wasn't for them at the time.
0: Well, when when you're looking for you know assistance or as like you said, director of instructions back in the '90s, there um, are you uh, are you hiring for certain for certain, I, I, w- I wouldn't, I don't definitely want to say you have any weaknesses, but are you hiring for things that you're not as, <laughs> not, not as, are you, are you hiring for things that you're not as strong in or, or do you, are you just looking for an overall package?
2: Well, trust me, I, I have as many weaknesses as the next guy. and I've <laughs> just been very fortunate that uh, I haven't been caught. Um, uh, you know, I, you know, certainly when I need a pitcher, I, I'm not going to hire a catcher. And, uh, you know, vice versa. So, you know, there are times when I need certain players to fill certain roles. But, you know, I, I tell the kids at the uh, PGM schools, you know, I, I look for, you know, bright kids with uh, bright personalities, you know, that are, that are happy and have smiling faces and want to help people. And most of all, and finally, they have a passion to play golf. I really, don't, I really don't think if you don't have a passion to play golf, you know, then you probably ought to really do something else. Because being a, a professional is, is all about playing golf and encouraging people to play golf and encouraging them to play more often and better and all those things. And I, I think you have to lead the way. I think you have to be out there playing. with the mind. There's, there's no way to get to know anybody without playing golf with them. If you're not playing golf with your members, then you better get your resume ready.
0: So is that something you would try to encourage, um, you know, the directors of golf's out there and the, and the head professionals to, you know, encourage their assistants and even themselves to, to try to get out on the course more. And
2: I, I, yeah, I mean it's, it's not an option with me. I mean they're going to play, and if they don't like it, then they can leave. But you, you got to get out there and play. And, and if you're not playing golf, you know you better be sick or something else, because I, I, you know, the, the membership at both places. And, and oakmont them will share their top 10 clubs and but I, I don't care what club it is members want to play with their staffs and they want to get to know those kids they want to get to know those people and, and the and the staff should want to get to know the members and you know you have to get out and play out for them
1: i think that's definitely a refreshing take on the from what we've heard kind of coming up through the ranks through our internships
0: yeah, we I don't, we we never had that huge of an emphasis on playing with members. I know that I was at a private club out for a couple of years, and they 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 allowed it, but uh, it definitely wasn't. Um, they didn't throw you out there and make you do it. You know, um, I would I would have played thirty six a day if, I, if they let me. But um, yeah, it's just it, I'm, it is refreshing to hear someone uh, you know that's done everything that you've done. To, you know, really encourage the you know the playing side of it obviously not not putting aside the business side of it but just saying hey this is just as important if not the most important thing to make sure that you can that you that you can play you know around the golf well you Let's guys know awesome.
2: i mean i mean a 12-hour day is pretty normal and uh you know both these places if the four-hour round the golf would be the max that it is Seminole is about a three and hour 20 minute round the golf but You know if you can't get your job done in eight hours then shame on you and you got four (laughs) hours left to play golf so get
0: out there and play love it i love it well bob it was a pleasure i appreciate you taking taking a few minutes out of your out of your busy week to uh to chat with us a little bit and share you know all your years of experience kind of trying to cram it down into a half hour and and to share that with our listeners well
2: it's my my pleasure guys i hope uh hope the guys listening uh you know take away that uh you know if you if you want to really be at a high-end private place and you really need to work on your game and be passionate about playing and get out there and play play the game.
0: Love it. Um, Nick, where can everybody find us? Eric, uh we are on uh biggolfshow.com on the web. You can go to uh iTunes and or you know podcast app and uh Listen to the Big Golf Show on your iPhone or your tablet. Uh, we're on Twitter at the Big Golf Show. And is that it? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. BigGolfShow.com. You usually do that. Um, I do. It's throwing you off this time. But no, anyways, appreciate everyone listening. And Bob, again, thank you for joining us. Eric, until Let's next time. Sign night. off.